0: Hey guys, Jared with the Shooting Institute. Going over to blazedefensesystems.com, talk with Justin, tell him the guys at TSI sent you. Check out what they got. They've got medical gear, tactical gear, body armor, anything that you're going to need for the tactical world or your agency is going to need. Again, that's blazedefensesystems.com, b-l-a-z-e defensesystems.com. Hey guys, Jared here, Simplified the Chaos uh, podcast. We've got our crew over here, Grumples. Got the Alabama Heat, aka Shy Ronnie. Over on the mic, um, Steven's still running the the podcast stuff, and so uh, today we're going to be talking about uh, another gear question, um, but it's about plate coverage, about body armor coverage. So we had quite a few people send this in, and I know that 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 we've all dealt with this before. Mike and I have really dealt with this and with law enforcement agencies that are like, "Oh, we don't like these small little cool guy kits because they don't cover enough." So we're going to be talking about you know uh, plate coverage on the gear does not really matter uh but before we do we are go ahead and get into a word of prayer lord we love you we praise you we thank you for this time together thank you for these men and uh lord let everything that that we present ultimately give honor and glory to you and uh, even if we give these folks uh great tips on how to better protect themselves in a self-defense matter in a law enforcement type uh work or military work or whatever it is um let the most important thing they hear they find out uh is is about you in the gospel of christ we love you lord we praise you we pray this in your name amen all right so here it is coverage kit and body armor um what what's the deal why, why i mean everybody see the swat guys they have like the arm things right the old school swat thing where you see them on tv or you, neck coverage yeah, groin
1: coverage rear coverage, all that all that stuff covered, right
0: Versus the new cool guy, what, what everybody sees. Everybody sees, a, oh, Navy SEAL operator, Delta operator, SF guy with this, like, lean, mean, killing machine kit that just barely, you know, covers the front of them. Go ahead, tell me what you think.
1: Uh, first, I, I think uh, the ability to maneuver and maneuver quickly and efficiently is exponentially better with a smaller kit. And... Uh, Shooting and moving is, is what you're out there doing in, in those uh, type of environments and what you're asked to do. So uh, I like a less cumbersome kit. Now, obviously, back when I first started, we had the coverage from, like you said, your chin to right above your knees, and it's uh biggest pain in the butt trying to do anything with that stuff all over you.
2: You know, one of the big questions that I would have whenever you're talking about, I guess, you have your – Right off the bat, we're going to talk about a vest, right? You know, an entry vest, you know, a combat vest that you're wearing overseas or whatever the case may be. Is what part of that vest do I have on this actually doing me some good and actually stopping some rounds? That's right. Okay. Yeah. Are, are, are my plates stopping rounds? Yeah, my plates are going to stop rounds. If you're doing bench press on Monday, Monday, then your plates will only need to stop three rounds and you can handle the extra 27 just with your chest workouts. <laughs> That's my personal opinion. <laughs> the other thing is this. If I'm out there wearing those, you know, I've got on a I've got on a plate carrier, and then I also have, I guess, the quote-unquote ballistic sleeves. I mean, yeah. would that be? Okay. Is is that really doing me good anyway? If I get shot with a rifle round in the arm, are those going to stop? Is, is that going to stop a rifle round from going into my shoulder? Right. I mean,
0: no, 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 it's not.
2: I mean, and, and so that's, that's always been my argument. And then not only that, from a police perspective – Why are you going to, if I get thrust into a SWAT situation, all of a sudden you're going to require me to wear stuff that may or may not stop rounds, but it restricts my movement. But if I'm out there on patrol, I'm not a full-time SWAT team, you have me in something that's 100% not going to stop rifle rounds. So why all of a sudden sudden is me wearing this, I guess, quote-unquote ballistic sleeve or ballistic (laughs) groin protection? gonna matter at that point because it's not gonna like I said it's not gonna stop a rifle I mean I mean what, what what would that what would that sleeve stop or what would the growing protection stop
0: I think most of it's uh just like ballistic saw farmer so up to probably 44 mag right and then most of it probably would. I mean if you got sh- think of it this way if you got shot with because uh, we've shot a lot of the ballistic saw farmer against like windows or against like a pumpkin or something like that, if you got shot in the arm, even with a nine millimeter on one of those little ballistic yeah. sleeves, it's gonna it's gonna jack your arm up. You're still gonna be incapacitated, I would argue, or out of the fight because it's probably gonna break your arm. Yeah. I don't know, Mike. What do you think? I know you probably seen somebody get shot in one of those. I don't know.
1: Yeah, I think the uh, the benefits of having that little bit of coverage are so minimal that it's, it's just not not that. Uh, Important. I don't. Well,
0: know. and we were working with one agency one time where when we pulled all their stuff out, and they're like, "Well, we, you know, you just, we just have more coverage than you do." We pulled the main plate that stops rifle rounds out, and the, and and their main plate, their their hard plate that would stop, you know, seven six two, you know, by fifty one armor piercing or whatever it was, was like eight by eight. No, it wasn't even eight by eight. I mean, yeah, it was. It was eight by eight. It was eight by eight. An eight by eight square. Versus our 10 by 12 sappy plate that we had in our kit. So it's like, okay, I've already got more plate coverage than you do. Let's start looking. And a lot of those sleeves, those like shoulder sleeves and mm-hmm. the uh, groin protectors and the, and, the, and the 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 giant kit that wrapped around and just was really, you know, encumbered their whole body, I guess, um, was uh, – didn't have 9 mil wrap in it. They had a regular, I say 9 mil, like the soft wrap. They had regular soft wrap inside that kit, so it only covered what a normal patrol vest would cover. So even those shoulder pieces didn't have anything in it but like some styrofoam. It wasn't even like it was body armor. So I would say that that would be another thing you need to check. Do you even have real coverage, or is it just a showpiece? Um, Because it seems like more often than not we see that, okay, yeah, you've got more cloth than I have, but you definitely don't have more uh,
2: bullet-stopping capability than I have.
1: Yeah, is it just there to make you feel better? Yeah, or make, make you, or make, make you, you feel know, the, safer. The agency
0: but, feel yeah. safer. Yeah. Or the, the,
2: the other thing that I would argue, as far as that goes, if you have all these attachments for your vest, is exactly how much extra weight is that going to add? And it might be minimal at the beginning, but if you're five or six hours into a situation at that point, and then not only that, like we talked about in previous podcasts, which is the importance of physical fitness if you haven't conditioned up to that point and this little bit of weight i mean it might only be a couple of pounds but at the same time six hours into it three pounds is now 20 pounds and so and it's hindering your ability and all of a sudden i have to make an emergency entry and i have to do some type of precision shot during an emergency entry what has that extra weight um you just made a really
1: good point right there it also is uh let's just say it's a hostage rescue situation and you do have to make a precision shot we all know it's hard enough with a smaller kit that we like to carry or use you start adding all that stuff to your arms and and all the other you know it gets in the way how are you able to get in the proper you know shooting techniques that we teach or you know is taught uh, to make that shot And
2: yeah, I I think that's an important part too, especially with the uh, curriculum that TSI teaches. Um, Jared teaches a more relaxed shooting stance, uh, which means that whenever I am presenting that weapon uh, towards the target, I don't have my shoulders and my traps uh, scrunched up, which means I'm not restricting blood flow, you know. To uh, my head and my neck area, and I'm also in turn not restricting blood flow to the rest of my body, which is very important. So that's one of the good things. You have to. The other thing is, is whatever. Sometimes you can't help it, though. I mean, you've seen this. Some of the some of the tactical courses that we've done, guys show up, and you're like, oh my, like they gave you that. Like this isn't a. This isn't like a like your real stuff's in the car, right? You just don't want to get that stuff dirty, right? Like I'm pretty sure this has a this has a 7.62 round in it from Vietnam, like you know what you know. We had what one is guy this?
0: show up had a in the inside of his helmet said for novelty use only. Mm-hmm. Yeah, right? no, that is correct. This guy, yeah. his agency gave him a helmet to wear, hmm. and it said for novelty use only. So I guess he got hmm. the helmet at Spencer's or whatever, but it wasn't even a real <laughs> ballistic helmet. Hmm. I mean, so you know you need to look at your gear, right? Look at your stuff and and ask yourself. I'm making entry with this stuff. Is this really gonna? Is this really gonna help me? Because if it's
2: not, you need to get rid of it. Yeah. What, one of the other things that I would like to say too, whenever you start talking about attachments, like it seems to be contradictory because people are like, "Well, I got to have my arm sleeves." Okay, cool. Well, you're not wearing side plates, so yeah. so yeah. if you're holding your rifle and I get a side shot on you and I shoot through, you know, either the side of your vest or I shoot through the armpit area, well, it didn't help you then. And so you always have to, and we say this in training all the time, there is there is not going to be, like, a perfect answer for every situation. You are going to have to give something up to get something, and it's all about what you're comfortable with giving up. Right. Am I comfortable with giving up maybe minimal, you know, sh- shoulder protection um, in order to get some mobility? In my opinion, yes. Now, whenever we whenever – Well, you s- for
0: law enforcement, you're more than likely going to go hands-on anyway. mm you know, more often than not, you're going to go hands-on as opposed to getting into a, you know, battle royale gunfight mm-hmm. with, you know, P, you know, PKM, sniper rifles, mm-hmm. machine guns sort of thing. We're here to talk to you about Blaze Defense. This podcast is brought to you by Blaze Defense. But more importantly, the awesome things that Blaze does. What do they do, Rebels?
1: They do a lot of good stuff.
0: So since Mister Personality over here wants to tell you so much about him, I'm just going to emphasize a little bit more what Blaze does. Now these guys at Blaze they uh, they do a great job. They build gear, custom gear for agencies for units. They've been doing it for the last 10 years, but they they're not only stuck in the in, in the gear and tactical world. That's something they actually morphed into. Uh, they also offer fire suppression systems for law enforcement, military personnel uh, to be able to fight fire with before. Uh, firefighters can get there and help them out. So go over to blazedefensesystems.com, B L A Z E defense systems.com.
2: And I mean you can pull from your uh, you know, your experiences, your experience well overseas. I mean, were there I mean, did you did you see any difference? Because I mean, y'all are pretty much wearing the string bikini of tactical gear over there. I mean, I mean, what? I mean, it's it's a plate, you know, taped to your front and your back, right? And then, <laughs> yeah, basically. And, and then mag pouches taped on top of the plates, right? No, <laughs> pretty much. But anyway, it's it's minimal fabric. It's minimal, you know, things or. Uh, well,
0: the biggest you know, thing is because we're you doing you know if you're doing long, especially Afghanistan yeah. or yeah okay, heck even Iraq, you know we're, of. Uh, guys doing patrols, long patrols. Doesn't mean you wouldn't have coverage, but, you know, dudes walking. I know I I never experienced this. I remember a lot of the senior guys who had a lot of combat experience early on in Iraq Mm -hmm. talking about, hey, we get stuff off of our hips. They go in looking like, you know, tactical Timmy. And then years of war, you've seen how everything trims down to where – The only thing a guy's got on his hips, maybe a pistol. You saw some guys putting them up on their kits Mm -hmm. um, and then slimming their kits down where they didn't have 15 mags sticking out where they looked like the Punisher, Um, but, you know, really just three mags. Cool guy, by the way. Um, Yeah, so, I mean, it's uh, just learning learning all that stuff over time because long patrols or being on a target a long time, the more stuff you had on your hips – uh the the more yeah and then having to run and actually getting into gunfights and move and getting out of you know out of line of fire, getting out of the street or I mean it's just a long list of things that just said, hey, you need to be as streamlined as possible. What do you need? What do you not need? And that's what you had. You know, we I mean, we still go out and we see guys, you know, local law enforcement guys that are carrying, you know, they they require a compass and a K bar. It's like two things. What are you going to do with a K-bar? You know what a K-bar was was made for? It's, it's a fixed blade knife. Uh, it's made for fighting and cutting demo because you're not supposed to cut demo. At least you know under, under military you know regulations cut cut demolition with a with a folder and uh, a compass. What are you using a compass for? I mean you probably everybody's got an iPhone, right? And it's not like you know you've got to worry about somebody tracking your position. You're not worried about everybody around. You. You're normally looking for you know, one individual. So, I mean, why do we have what we have? And, it's a, and that goes all the way back to the plates and the coverage. Um, are you actually covered? That's what you got to ask yourself. Why am I wearing this and what's it actually doing for me? Um, and I wanted, and I don't want to, you know, go away from this, but I think we've kind of answered this question. But one thing that I've seen more often than not that guys don't have and they don't wear um, is, uh, is Pro. I pro enter in the house because in all honesty that's probably your biggest risk uh when when you when you enter um if if you if you get shot at or whatever and you have plates and all that stuff on your biggest risk is am I gonna am I gonna lose my eyesight or not eyesight or not mm-hmm. and if you got guys that are wearing sunglasses outside what do they do when they show up mm-hmm. they got to take off their sunglasses to go inside a house yeah. or let's flip around if you got guys that are uh showing up with clear glasses all the time. And, uh, you know, Mike brought this up in a, um, a podcast uh, about the uh, the reflex site, right? Uh, you lose, depending on the glare of the sun and all that, you lose your red dot. Well a way you can mm-hmm. fix that is you wear tinted glasses. It makes it easier to see that red dot. You don't lose it as bad in the sunlight or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, so I know for me, you know, iPro is the biggest thing, and what iPro works for what I'm, what I'm doing. I personally, I wear... Uh, Transition lenses, right? I like the uh, Gator's transition lenses. They're light outside, but they're dark enough to keep sun out of my eyes. But then also, they, they go, they lighten up in the house. Um, but I think IPRO is probably what I've seen across the board that most law enforcement um, uh, agencies or officers or whatever, they, they probably lack. If you really want to look at coverage and something yep. you want to protect, they probably are lacking on the IPRO end over ballistic coverage.
2: And I would say, especially from a law enforcement standpoint, I would say that, that the I pro is necessary protection no matter what aspect of law enforcement you're in, whether you're in a tactical uh, environment or whether you're just on normal patrol, because you've seen, and you can go on YouTube, and you can look at all the videos all those dudes shooting through glass, you know, shooting through the windshields, whatever the case may be. They're driving and shooting. They're doing all this, you know, Grand Theft Auto stuff or whatever. But, I mean, what's the from your experience, what's the reality of that situation? Once you start putting rounds through that glass, what's the reality of that situation? How does the environment change? Well, most of the time if you're putting rounds through the glass, you're probably not staying in the
0: vehicle because Mm -hmm. now you're, you know, I mean – If you're driving your vehicle, you're going to try your best not to shoot the glass out because you need to be able to see. As soon as you start putting rounds through the glass, you can't see. If you can't see to drive, then you got to get out of the vehicle sort of thing. So the only times that I've seen or had personal experience with you know, and, and we teach this even to, to DOD and stuff. Bailout drills are getting out of mm-hmm. vehicle. That's the only time we're really shooting through the glass mm-hmm. is when we're trying to stay behind something that's going to stop bullets and we're going to shoot out. But we don't need to drive anymore because if I can't see, then I can't
2: get away. What, so that's yeah, what, how this. that's how the – Situation changes. What, what, once you start shooting, though, what are the, what are, what becomes the danger to your eyesight at that point? Oh yeah, the yeah, glass the dust, dust inside yeah, yeah. the car. Glass yeah, it creates if, I'm, if I'm taking rounds from outside the vehicle inside yeah. the vehicle, there's going to be all that. There's, glass, there's dust.
0: glass dust that stirs up. You breathe it. Um, it gets in your eyes. Mm-hmm. I mean, it, it really messes with you. You got and then you got the uh, what's it called? Like an auditory is it occlusion. An auditory, is it auditory occlusion? Is that what it's called? I mean, when Exclusion. it's like a flashbang going off in the flipping car, yeah. especially if you're not. Especially if you're not uh, suppressed, right? If you're not running a can and you're shooting from the inside of a car, um, it's rattling your world. So there's like a million different things. So now I can't hear, I can't see, I've been stunned almost. So, you know, I can't see because of glass dust. I can't hear, I've been stunned. So, uh, everything that you can add to help you, what mm-hmm. good is your flipping shoulder protector do you at that point in time? Yep. You know, everything you add to help you, whether it's glasses, uh, whether it's even a maybe a proper proper ear pro, you know, or proper you know yeah. headset for like uh, um, think of a team movement or whatever, right? So you yeah. can hear the hear the radio, hear hear what you guys are doing. Um, all of these things, I think, seem it seem to be put more to the to the wayside, and guys are worried about well, we don't, we don't want to look like you know. Uh, special operations guys You know But it's At the same time It's like Well why It has nothing to do with looks It has to do with um, Which I mean, we all know ABCs always be cool right You don't want to look You know ridiculous But no, I mean it, that's 100 That's real talk right
1: there Yeah but I mean it, but
0: it has nothing to do with look, It has to do with What's the reality Of what this is doing for me If it's not doing anything for me I need to take it off my kit mm-hmm. When you know, I first I started
1: have, law enforcement When I first started SWAT team stuff 20 years ago It was like I wanted every piece of gear I had I could put on my vest and on my belt, and and then I wanted another one just in case that other that one went down mm-hmm. when, tip, when we're typically about 50 yards away from the, the, the van or whatever yeah. where we could keep our extra gear. And as I went through the years and actually doing real-world hits and realizing I don't need this, I don't need that, started stripping stuff and shoulder pads and neck coverage and extra batteries and extra lights and all this stuff, I realized the best way to do it, it's just make sure there's a rookie near you that you can get his stuff from him and use it instead of –
2: I'll say this too. i found that people that, you know, that have a bunch of gear like that, in my opinion, uh, that it tends to breed a false sense of security once you get inside that structure. Um, instead of, you know, giving you the realization that I need to have some type of um, you know, tactical flow to this movement. And that, in, in my opinion, that's your ultimate protection once you get inside of a structure, is I have a tactical flow that is consistent and is fast enough to overtake those guys before they can give the drop on me. Whenever you start throwing all that stuff on, and I know we've had several conversations, you know, once you start getting in into sleeves and once you start getting into using the shield and stuff like that, I feel like that it bogs you down because it right. gives you a false sense of security. Inside that structure, and that's what ultimately, in my opinion, will end up getting someone hurt. Not the lack of coverage in their vest, yeah, right? You, you lose the lack your of ability,
1: ability yeah. to move. And you know, the SWAT teams were based off the ability to have speed, surprise, and then violence of action. Mm. You start becoming cumbersome, and nowhere is that listed. In that,
2: yeah, I'll, I'll say this though if you're really you know, if you're if you're really tore up about coverage and you just don't know what to do, then I would probably select a profession where you didn't have to worry about it. Because like we talked about in earlier, podcast you're going to have to give up something to get something that's the way that it always works you can never have everything in that environment you always have to if i want more mobility and i want more speed then i'm going to have to drop some gear that's just the way that it goes and it's all about your preference and what you're comfortable with. oh
0: yeah i mean you get if you want security you're going to give up speed you want speed you give up security i mean that's you know it's never going to be you don't get 100 percent of both i heard somebody say that one time he said, oh i mean you want 100 percent speed 100 100 security i was like that's 200 percent. you can't have that you've got it's it's 50-50, 60-40, 70-30 when you give up so you give up one thing you gain something else yep. you gain something else you give up one thing so that's exactly right and that's uh and this might segue well into our uh in our next podcast we've already had the questions go out and that's going to be about uh tactics do they do they matter okay so it's going to be a training question tactics do they matter we've already started talking about that flow and everything can we make up for a lack of tactics with gear and equipment um, or do what we do, do uh, our, our tactics, you know, is it kind of irrelevant, you know, no matter what gear of equipment equipment we have? So we're going to talk about that in the next podcast. We thank y'all for listening and subscribing. Um, the Alabama Heat over there is dying to get a Navy SEAL story, but he's not going to get one uh, maybe in the next podcast. We're just going to play what's
2: in Mike Rebel's individual first aid kit. <laughs> yeah, we could play that. What is it? <laughs> Quickly. I would say I'm going to draw one thing out of here. Uh, First item is a Ziploc bag full of dust in case Mike needs a blood transfusion.
1: Absolutely. (laughs)
2: Blood type dust.
1: Wet leaves and dirt. That's all you need.
2: (laughs) (laughs) All right, guys. Thank you all for listening.
0: Subscribe. And uh, we'll see you next time.
1: Yep. Hey, guys. Jared with the Shooting
0: Institute. Going over to blazedefensesystems.com. Talk with Justin, tell him the guys at TSI sent you. Check out what they got. They've got medical gear, tactical gear, body armor, anything that you're going to need for the tactical world or your agency's going to need. Again, that's blazedefensesystems.com, B-L-A-Z-E, defensesystems.com.